Yuck, this thing sounds gross. Hello and welcome to D&D Valiant Odyssey. I'm your host, Aaron, and we are here with the Forgotten Four once again to finish their adventures off. Guys, it's been a wild ride, but you're going to reintroduce your characters to everybody. You're going to tell them your name, your race, your class, and this time you're going to tell them if you are someone who is uh, always early or always late, and you're going to tell us why. Roll to see who goes first. Uh, yeah, g'day, I'm Jacko, and I play Gorgonbort the Buckler, uh, half-orc barbarian. If it's a prefer thing, then uh, Gorgonbort would prefer to be late. You know, the party started, the battle's already initiated, and get a good vibe for what's going on. Uh, yeah, judge the situation better. That's Decide whether you want to go in and help or just let them no, fight No, it definitely going in, regardless. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I could just get decide, just get the, uh, it's like having an eagle eye view without um, being able to fly. Very good. All right, next we'll go to Trent. My name's Trent, and I'm playing Baron Barnabas, the Goliath fighter who's level nine. Uh, Barnabas would be early because emulating Orion, he respects people's time. Orion like in his uh, penalties. I like it. You're up, Rob. Uh, my name's Rob. I'm playing Rengar the Moonlit, the high elf, um, high moon elf, uh, range of five, rogue four. And I would say he definitely would be early with a plus 12 initiative, I feel like this. So yes. No, but the other reason the why would be too is he would be there early to scope out, kind of like a sniper would. Like he'd be there to scope out the surroundings, pick the high points, work out where he can hide. Yeah. Definitely would make sense for him to be first and early. Yeah. Scope the terrain. Mm-hmm. And last but certainly not least, we have Brett. Uh, my name is Brett. I play Morven Othranus, a level nine evocation high elf wizard. Uh, he would always be late because his nose would always be in a book. He'd always be reading. <laughs> Time would get away from him. And he'd go, shit, shit, I'm late. No, I'm gonna finish this chapter. Fuck him. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna go with the whole uh was it the wizard's never late that's been Going around yeah. a lot. Yeah, so right a wizard is never late. He... He'd be early because he is never late. A wizard is never late. Uh, and I am Aaron. I'm your dungeon master uh, for D&D Valiant Odyssey. And for me, unfortunately, I am always late. And I'm sorry to everybody who's ever relied on me because that's just who I am as a person. I'm 32. I'm not going to change now. Why <laughs> try? <laughs> Why try? <laughs> All right. Uh, and also, I'm late because good things come to those who wait. So, <laughs> you're a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a good thing. The Forgotten Four seek more vestiges, weapons of godly importance that they want to use to kill Delmac the Outcast. Their latest lead, they'll need the help of Siraj Saharis, powerful staff mage from the Wasonia Arcane Institute. But upon meeting her, They found that she was extremely fatigued, being unable to cast the Amplified Scry spell. Morven decided to assist as best he can. After some arcane searching, they found that Tiro, their craftsman, had in fact perished. However, his apprentice lived, and the Forgotten Four decided to make the journey southward in order to meet him so that he could possibly reforge the blades that Rangar has held for so long. 
Now, you guys can do a little recap about what you already know about Monitus for the little listener viewers because this is stuff that happened to you guys outside of the times that we streamed Valiant Odyssey. Sure was. It yeah. was originally... More Two and a half than, years ago. Yeah, Morvan and Rengar's first mission was to escort an elderly gentleman and his caravan to Monitus, um, where we were set upon by some orcs. And some friends of ours sitting right beside me decided to, to run to the battle after drinking ale in a bar. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're early to the beer. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually where the Forgotten Four kind of met. It was like their, their fledgling adventure, and you guys eventually made your way into Monitus fighting these orcs and you were told by the town speaker who was old Ptolemy at the time to find out why they're there and he would pay you, but he would pay you a pittance really. Um, this, the assistant speaker was a man named Scantlin and he, <laughs> he uh, took you to the side and said, Hey, I won't pay you out of the town's treasury. I'll pay you out of my personal fund. But the orcs took this awesome object from me can you please retrieve it? And that was your first little indication that this guy might be a little fucked up. You're, long story short, you eventually found the object and found that it was uh, the actual orb that Morvan held mm. for a very long time that he threw away into the worm sea in Rostodon. A fragment of Darnaxol that we found out after the fact. Yes. Because <laughs> that DM has a huge smile on his face right now about that. Yeah. Secrets. Throw, <laughs> throw it away. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you guys ended up getting the orb. Scantlin was quite upset by the fact that you took it, having not elected to give it to him, noting his, uh, you know, evil vibe. And you guys left after giving you a bonk on the head from the staff. Uh, and that, that is where you left off from Monitus. So cutting in now to you guys resting at the Wissonia, I'll say that Morvan has taken all the time that he has needed to uh, prepare the spells that you require, which is not like 12 years, so you can learn every spell in the game. But uh, we cut in now on the the dimly illuminated bedroom of uh, the four of you, where you rest, and Morvan, you finally close that last page of the book that you had been reading in order to learn what you need to learn to teleport to Monitus. Having looked over the blowgun supplied by Rengar, you have a pretty good idea of how this teleportation spell would work if you're able to cast it in the first place. Morvan would have also spent the time reading up on teleportation circles and he would have prepped that as well in case they need a exit. It would not be a quick one. So to be able to cast using one of the scrolls that uh, Siraj gave me, I get to do a roll. And if I succeed, we go. And if it doesn't, uh, we are sitting in a room and as a scroll uh, disintegrates in my head. Ranga's going to move to, to Morvan. Um, he's stopped polishing. You can see his focus is fully, fully on his task. And he's going to whisper in Morvan's ear as he can see his eyes are sort of closed. He's prepping himself. And he's going to say, now, Morvan, just remember that. The fate of the world lies in your hand, and it's imperative that uh, that we get ourselves to where we need to go. And then he'll go tap tap with his hand and go good luck <laughs> and walk away. Barnum is picking up on the general vibe, adds on to the compound of pressure. Just these scrolls are priceless. Each one worth a kingdom. Lose this, chance is gone. Rock limp each, but. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so disadvantage it is then. Yeah. Disadvantage it is. No, straight roll. Oh. 17, 17 flat, plus 5 is 22. 22. So a night's worth of study. The pressure mounting on your shoulders. Everybody's head in astral form circling around you in a vision and the last thing that they've said is swirling <laughs> through your ears. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Um, you begin to focus. And as you do, you can see this scroll illuminate in this blue arcane energy and begin to burn up from the bottom. You guys looking on feel like that Morven has utterly fucked this. But as you can see him casting this spell through his arcane focus, he locks the scroll in place. You watch as it completely disintegrates, but there is a sigil on his hand. And as he does, he slams that into the ground and he teleports. There is a circle that expands amongst you. Four illuminated light sources occur in front of you. And as the lights begin to dim, where would you have teleported yourself? I think Morven remembers uh, on the outskirts where we actually had the first skirmish with the orcs. Um, Seem to remember someone running and trying to diet, jump over a log, failing miserably and face planting. I'm getting stares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morven pictures uh, that wood, that log, that area, uh, just on the outskirts. You remember this road, a frequently traveled pathway for uh, traders and also mining carts, as you know that Monitus was indeed a hub for a copper mine. As you teleport there, you can see still the indent in the road that was left by the tree. You can see that the grass along the edges of this dusty trail seem to have encroached a little bit, and there doesn't appear to be as much trails throughout as you had initially remembered. It seems that that evidence piques your interest, believes or leads you to the belief that ore and trade doesn't appear to be coming to Monitus as often as it once was. But you stand there, looking around. You look towards the west, Morven and Rengar, and remember the cart that you had travelled in, travelling east towards Monitus, as Barnabas and Gorgonbort look to the east, towards the direction of Monitus, remembering the tavern that you had been in before you ran out this way to assist these two puny elves. Well, it, uh, it looks like you are... You got in everyone's good graces, we're here, finally. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there are two scrolls. Um, screw all of yours. I got us here. Now let's try to not fuck this up, guys. Since you guys are so good at pep spit talks. <laughs> <laughs> that was disheartening. <laughs> Where would... Okay, so while you're here, will you be venturing into Monitus or will you start tracking towards Delambeer? If we want to do some scouting... Could cast a spell to link us mentally, or I could send Ali in for a scope. I find it very uh, disconcerting that this was once a mining town and there seems to be no more trade, which makes me wonder what is happening. It's also here. not our primary quest right now. Suppose if he ran into Scantlin, I'm sure he's a reason for the Heraclesians being capital out of uh, dumped, dumped the iron trade or rediverted it. Yeah, or they just well stacked the capital, then less need for all. What are we thinking? We have our mission. That is extremely pressing. Yeah. Dumb have, we got, have, we any, like, have we got any business with Scantlin? Do we need to actually see him? Or the, is there a- one of the other parties, their job is to seek out further uh, shards of Dalnak. So the fact that Scanlon had won 
uh, it was a bit suspicious, and that's a lead that would be followed up by others. We could potentially be stepping on their toes or helping clear their way for them. But again, our, our mission was the vestige. Yeah. Getting off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Into the shadows we go. You begin to move through the forested area, Rangar leading the way, and you begin to part some of the trees and fall onto a similar trade path that you had in order to find the orcs in the first place in the abandoned mine shaft. As you do so, I'd like you all to roll survival checks, or actually, Rangar, you can roll yeah, a survival I'm, uh, check I'm, in your favorite terrain. Yes, correct. So you'll get advantage and all the plusy boys for this one. Oh, that's not great. Not <laughs> Fuck me, Rangar. I managed to teleport us here off a straw and you can't walk I in rolled a straight line. I rolled a 12, guys. <laughs> you begin to track through this forested area and Rangar, despite it being your favoured terrain, there is some different things about this foliage, about the, the nature of the undergrowth here that throws you off. You watch as you pick up a pile of detritus from the floor and you can see that it crumbles more easily in your hand. You begin to make your way and you see some water holes that are probably about five to six feet wide. But through this area, as you walk past them, the smell is extremely foul. You can see you're probably a mile or so outside of Menitis when you start to walk through what looks like a boggy, swampy area. One that you definitely know was not here the last time that you resided. It seemed that the environment here has changed drastically more so than it should have in the five years. And for the better, I think. Of your absence. Can Morven roll uh, Arcana? He would know the link between Dalinac, Scanlan, and maybe jump into the conclusion of necromancy in the area. Mm -hmm. I'd say without even a check, you'd be able to know that there is some magical influence around this area that seems to have spread from whatever ley line or arcane divergence is in this space you begin to veer your way to the east you start to get into this uh, pool like area and you can see that there is like a mucky bog in front of you reeds sticking out of it and there is a mist that seems to lay over this area and as you do you watch as the bubbling that's coming from the area in front of you is extremely disconcerting the smell is also growing what would you like to do at this point could I send Ali to do it once over, try to see if I can see any creatures or anything in this area? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Uh, it, it's just muddy, isn't it? It's not, is it? Is it deep? What's the, the bog? You are probably about a foot deep in muck at the mm-hmm. moment. Okay. That's um, pretty deep. Do I feel any sensation from simply just walking through this stuff? I'll get you to roll a perception check for me. You can roll a perception check with Ali, Morvan, Barnabas. What are you going to do? It's still daytime. Daytime. But there is enough cloud cover and also canopy to make it dim light in this area. The swamp we're talking here, are we seeing any fire pop out of the trees, like a bit of methane and mm-hmm. maybe some big rodents? How big are they? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite, no. Um, there does only appear to be the, the bubbling from the swamp in front of you and, and the low light in the area. Mm, so low light, dim light, that's uh, still not going to help Rengo with his womb stalker trait yet. Mm, no. It's darkness, isn't it? Yep. No. 13 perception. Okay. And you got a 18. I'm going to ready, ready my bow uh, and I will proceed stealthily. Morvan will cast uh, mage armor on himself. Keeping an eye out. You can either do find familiar or mage armor in this instant because you're, as in you're, you're projecting your vision. You'd be concentrating and doing that, 
as your action in this moment, or you'd be casting Mage Armor. All right, well, I'll do, I already said Ali, so I'll do Ali, but once okay. he's done his thing... Straight away Mage Armor. Yep. Yeah, unless something happens in between that. Yep. All right, I'll say that you, Barnabas, is standing guard of the two with your 18 Gorgonbort looking around this area. You can see that there appears to be broken foliage and tree branches that are protruding into this swampy area. And as you look at one, it seems to be like like a set of four large, spiky, curly uh, branches that seem to be poking out of the, the swamp below. And as you look at it, it almost looks like, uh, yeah, as you're looking towards it. Um, with Ali's flyover, you got like a nine or something, didn't you? Thirteen. Thirteen? Not great. As you fly over, the mist seems to be obscuring a lot of the the lay level. Um, you do see that this pool is probably about 30 feet wide. You don't see any form of life around the edges of it. What is drawing his attention mostly is the bubbling from within. How, um, how big were the ribs? Like the thing that... They're pretty been. big. Like they're towering above you. So they're probably about mm. 10 or so feet protruding above the water. Going to cast daylight, dip in my sun spear. Mm-hmm. Rengar rolled a 30 and he's moving stealthily just on the brim of Barnabas's um, daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you watch as this, this daylight spell emanates from the spear for the first time and it's this holy light that protrudes this white yellow and it warms you all. Uh, and as it does so, you can also feel like the environment around you just shudder in the presence of this radiant light. And as it does so, you watch as the four branches that you saw protruding out of the water, Gorgonbort, begin to shudder, and you watch as they begin to lurch forward and upward. And as they do, you can see that those four branches were indeed a rib cage, and the head of this skeleton-like giant creature protrudes its way out, and a giant hand slams in between Morven and Gorgonbort, where you are snapped out of your vision from Ali, Morven, you look towards this skeleton-like finger that's covered in muck and the hand that's got rotting flesh coming off of it and you immediately cast mage armor on yourself. Barnabas, you look down with the light protruded upon you and you just hear this You watch as this creature just emanates from the smoke and the mist. At that point, we'll get you guys to roll initiative. I was holding an action as well. We'll, we'll, that would we'll be the that. first round right, of combat. Cool. Yep. Um, you can roll your initiative with advantage too. Uh, uh, before the battle starts, or is this considered a turn? Do I know what this thing is? If it's in a, is it the thing that's common to boggy areas? No, this okay. boggy area isn't even a common occurrence for you. Okay, um, isn't it? It's just it's just one hand that we saw come over and one hand and some ribs. Yeah, oh, this thing sounds gross. Reminds me of Arden. Arden's got one <laughs> hand and ribs. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay, so cutting in, you guys see this massive hand just protrude between the three of you and then it reaches and wreaths back. You can see this large creature that seems to be waist deep in this swampy mucked area. Rib cages exposed, purple eyes seem to be glowing through the light. The only other light in this area is 60 foot of sunlight that is coming from Barnabas's spear. You can see a bone-like uh, helmet on this creature, but you also hear the scratchings, murmurings, and wailings of other creatures around you that seem to have been disturbed by this radiant light. First up, we have Rango, who was holding an attack, so you will get uh, your one arrow to fire off, or two, because you're, you're a high enough level to get two for that first attack, and then we'll jump into your turn. Okay, so technically I'll get the attack function from holding the action, and then my full turn, is that right? Yep. 
So he will make two attacks. Also, will I get sneak attack from that? Or is he hidden enough in outside of that 60 feet or no? It's up to you. I'll say you're hidden enough, yes. With a 31 stealth I rolled yes. before. Uh, but the the attack will reveal your position. That's okay. Um, so it was a, a 6 and a 7, but he has a massive plus. That's a 19 and a 20. A 20 will hit. A, just, a, just the 20. The 20 will hit and the 19 will hit too. Oh, they both hit. Cool. Sorry, I thought you were no, that's adjusting okay. your math. <laughs> Here we go. 12 plus 9, 21 damage. Second attack does 14 plus 9, 23 damage. Um, do your best to tell me types of damage too, because he's immune. These to are shit. just these are just piercing damage. Yep, yep. That will end the the hold act, held action he has, and then he's up first again. Is that right? Uh, he's gonna stay put, and uh, he's gonna cast uh, Hunter's Mark, and he'll mark the mark the large creature. So you see Rengar's eyes sort of like glow out in the distance, and a sort of like up. Flamish thing appears in black smoke, sort of like resonates off the target, and he will again take his action to do an attack. All right, so this time you'll get an extra d6 for every attack you hit due to the uh, hunter's mark, correct? Hunter's mark is a d6, yes, correct. So 32 and uh, 13, uh, 29. So those two arrows again. So you've seen Rengar, and then he reaches to his quiver again, and he gets. Another two, ping off, 15 further points and 12 further points. He will, because it's his first round of thing, he can take his Dread Ambusher feet as well. So he's going to just sort of like um, jump quickly 10 feet closer, further away from the, the being. So right on the edge of the, the map there. And if there's any sort of like a little bush shrub or something, he'll just like try to like maneuver behind that. Yep. You um, can't hide. No, he's not going to try and hide. He just wants to sort of position himself behind that. And he will then make an attack with Dread Ambusher, which will add another D8 of damage. And that's going to be 9 plus 9, another 18 points of damage. Oh, sorry. I got to roll to attack for that first, but it should hit. Yeah, easily. Yep. The three arrows sail through. Oh, sorry. Four arrows. Five arrows sail through the nighttime sky or the the dusty sky and you watch them impale this creature it appears to take the damage but it doesn't appear to flinch at the side of the the arrows Mm -hmm. Uh, at that point it brings us to its turn it lurches forward moving both of its hands uh, on either side of the bank and it lifts itself up out of the water and starts to sludge its way towards the party and the source of light so as it does black smoke begins to emanate from it and almost the mist around seems to gather amongst and there are wails and screams that seem to happen from within here that just encompass your senses. You can imagine that starting your turn within this area is not going to be a good idea. You watch as it raises a massive hand and will attempt to strike the source of the lights. Actually, it can't because they're in the way. It will get... It's going to make one attack. Does it get within 10 feet of me? Yes, it did. I would like to finish uh, attack. Yep, you're able to do so. Uh, so roll your attack with your uh, glaive. And once it's done that, you can see it's raising both hands. One's going towards Gorgonbort and one's going towards Morven. Uh, 11 damage. All right. So at that point, these hands raise into the air and you can see one is arcanely charged and that's the one that seems to be going for Gorgonbort. Uh, so to hit you guys, one of them is a 21 against you, Gorgonbort. Mm. And the other one is a 19 against you, Morven. Uh, reaction shield. All right. 
So this fist slams directly down upon you and it shatters the shield that seems to be blocking its way. Uh, it's You can watch some of the fractures of bone just begin to erupt from its hand as it's just slammed down onto you, but there is this dark muck that encases the circular shield and then drips back down to the floor. This is definitely an unnatural and undead being. Gorgonbord. It does hit me. The 21 washes me into the bulk. You take 12 points of necrotic damage and you feel this sapping energy, this... Uh, this tar-like substance begin to coat your muscles and as it does, you watch as your strength and your biceps begin to wither. Uh, your strength score is reduced by three. Ah. So whatever your strength is, it's reduced by three now. So it's 16, so now it's 13. Which means you only have a plus one on all attacks now. Oh, so okay. instead of having a plus three, you'll have a plus one. So minus oh, two yeah, to everything three, that you do three. with your attacks. Yeah, okay. Yep. Cool. And you watch as he raises his hand again and more of this black ichor seems to surround his hands. Getting attacked by this multiple times is a very deadly idea. Believe it or not, the javelin is actually my best bet. It's got, it's got the not best from a, Not from five feet away because you'll have disadvantage on the attack as a ranged attack within five feet. Oh, yep. So your best bet will be to rage so you don't take physical damage. But you'll have to do that on your turn. All right, so that's its turn. That then brings us to... Baron Barnabas, you're up. Uh, using my new weapon, time for uh, a sunbeam. I hear that extra sound that we hear. Do I, can I locate anything else? I'll say roll a perception check, which will not be your action, but. Uh, 11. Looking around, you don't seem to see or hear any other beings in the area, but you do continue to hear the screams and the wails and just the general sense of undeath within this area. So you, you imagine this creature's not alone but you can't pinpoint where these things are. Okay. Um, I'm going to shoot from where I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Towards the uh, northeast away from Rengar as well. So I know where those arrows came from. Beautiful. So you watch as this beam protrudes from the tip of the spear, an ejection of sunlight that is holier than the gods itself. What'd you get? You have to roll a con save. Okay. So for a con save, it'll get a seven. That's Big a fail. fail. Uh, which is... 68 of radiant damage oh. and it's blinded. 24 points of radiant damage nice. and blinded. Okay, so the hole bursts through the center chest of this creature. You guys see for the first time this radiant blast coming from Barnabas and it leaves a massive hole where it lay. Uh, you do still hear the screams protruding from the individual in front of you. Its eyes flicker from a deep purple to a lighter purple now. Uh, the mist around still uh, encompassing this space. Also, um, Barnabas, can you please roll a wisdom saving throw for me, please? Uh, nine. Okay, so you watch as this aura begins to surround your form, uh, seeming that the deadly light is a threat to it. It enters into your mouth, ears, and eyes, and as it does so, you feel a sense of exhaustion. Your uh, saving throws have disadvantage, and your speed is halved. I can use a special. Mm-hmm. When you fail a saving throw, you must use the new roll. I can redo that. Okay, roll your... Indominable. Yep. Uh, that one was worse. Four. Okay, so yeah, the effect still takes place despite the indomitable. Is that the end of your turn, Barnabas? What was the, um, what was the effect of that? Half speed and disadvantage on saves. Uh, I'll use a, uh, a bonus action. Mm-hmm. Attack? I will. Yep. Fantastic. The extra attack. I'll use the, uh, the damage from my Sunflare Glaive to attack twice. Yep. 18 hit. 18 will hit, yes. And then a 31 hit. Yes. Damage is 
12 plus, oh, rolling terribly, 12 plus 12, and then I'll use the backside of my uh, new glaive as well. Mm-hmm. Was the sunbeam your action though? Because if it was, you can't attack twice. Action surge. Oh, okay. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Excellent. That's done. Um, and then I've got a D4 plus. Mm-hmm. you got to roll and hit that one first, though. Oh, it's not 20. Okay, so yeah, that'll hit. So double whatever you rolled on that D4. The double the butt end is going to be uh, 7 damage to 14. Oh, nice. Sunbeam protrudes through the chest. You then see two slashes from the glaive, and then the butt end comes and pokes directly through the hand that seems to be coming to slam down on, on Barnabas. He is damaged badly. It becomes Morvan's turn. Uh, would Morvan see that? That would be badly, badly, badly damaged. Or yes. is that you can see that the the creature's arcane aura seems to fade and it doesn't look like it's 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 arcanely put together and the tethers that bind it seem to be weakening. Uh well in that case, if he's close to death, I'll just do a entry. Uh he's gonna move away. As he's blinded, there shouldn't be an opportunity attack. Yes, he has true sight to 120 feet, so he will get an attack of opportunity on you. Jesus, no idea. Your shield is still active, though, but that's a natural 20. Okay. This is going to hurt. 39. Oh, hang on. 29 doubled plus 10. So 30 to 60. 60 plus 10 minus 2. 58 damage. So I have two hit points left. At least you're still standing. I would have missed you step to five. No. <laughs> At least my character in this campaign likes you more. So I might come and help you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with this massive attack, you begin to move yourself away. Seeing that this creature's blinded, you take this opportunity, attempting to flee and take advantage of it. However, it seems to lurch your way, swipe you nonetheless with its clawed hand, and it seems to have done you a significant amount of damage. You begin to bleed profusely as you do so. You can take your movement now. Well, I'll move so that Barnabas and Gorgon board up. In between me and the creature. Okay, you can see that there is a tree that seems to sit itself between you and Barnabas as well. So you have Barnabas, the uh, trunk of a tree, and then yourself sitting there. With this being a bit of difficult terrain, with the sludge and the muck a foot deep, you do only get 15 feet of movement to do so. Uh, I'm then just going to cast Sickening Radiance, getting myself and allies. I'm going to use Scope Spell. So it doesn't affect my allies, but he has to make a 17 con save. Okay, do you want to describe your spell as you cast it? At his feet, a motor of sickly green light expands and expands and fills a 30-foot radius area. And with the creature failing, basically this green light uh, almost sticks to it like sludge, and it is uh, emitting a dim greenish light to a 5-foot radius that you cannot turn invisible. Uh, he also takes 30 radiant damage. Um, so any creature that moves into the area for the first time or starts its turn there will have to make that con save. Uh, except my allies, I'd also include Rengar in that. And Morvan's gonna pretty well be next to the tree, almost leaning on it, bleeding profusely. Actually, bonus action for a uh, spell? Uh, potion? Yeah, mm-hmm. potion? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Can you please roll a wisdom saving throw for me? 11. All right, so unfortunately you fail, which means that your speed is halved and you have disadvantage on saves. Uh, You also feel this black aura moving from around this large skeleton-like creature in the bog around your form, and it seems to be sapping away at you also. You can hear the chattering and the churning, and you hear this creature just begin to lurch forward, and as it does so, it opens its skeleton-like jaw and starts to vomit in front of Barnabas 
and Gorgonbort. And as it does so, you can see these bodies begin to fall out of its mouth. And you, as they slip into the muck, you can see them begin to disform and crack into humanoid form and start to lurch forward towards you. You can see two of these undying soldiers that seem to be wearing armor, wielding shields and sword, lumbering towards you in their zombified state. If they entered that, can they also They roll? did. Yep. So for the con save for the first... That is going to be fucking rubbish. I'm not even going to look at the modifier because it's seven on the die, which will fail. And that one will probably succeed. Uh, 17 DC. Um, constitution, correct? That'll be a 19 on the die. So one will succeed, one will fail. So do you want to roll some damage for that? Because I'll get him to take it straight away. 14, uh, 15 radiant then. And they also have a level of exhaustion as well. Every time they fail, it's another level of exhaustion. Nice. Okay. So definitely takes effect on one of them. You can see that it lumbering towards Gorgonbork gets a little bit more sluggish, um, but these two now will take their turns. One of them lumbers towards... Would you say they uh, entered my area? Both of them do, but you only get one reaction, so you can do do it against one if you want to use your polearm attack. I would love to. 29 with 15 damage. Oh, nice. Uh, going for the one that is damaged by Morven, I would yes. assume. They will then use their multi-attacks on... Um, one on Barnabas, one on... Uh, Gorgon board. So the first on Barnabas will be 23. Hits. How does shield work? So you can use your reaction, which you've already used for your polearm attack. So you can't do it at this point. But otherwise you'd be able to use your reaction to cast it and it pluses 5 to your AC. Alright, so you take 10 points, sorry, 13 points of uh, necrotic damage from one attack there, Barnabas. And you, Gorgon board, will take or will be hit with a 24. Mm-hmm. That, so yeah, that is. This sword will come towards you and do ten points again of uh, slashing damage. Oh, sorry, necrotic damage. Is any of that damage acid, cold, fire, or lightning or poison? No, it's all necrotic. When am I allowed to get angry? <laughs> when it's your turn. <laughs> um, that right. then brings us to Gorgonbord's turn. I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> I would like I, to rage. I, I am raging. Uh, use my bonus action. Um, okay, so I am within five feet of old mate. So uh, when I say old mate, I mean the big skeleton. Yes, you are within five feet of the big skeleton in the muck. Yep. You're also within five feet of the two other allies that seems to have vomited up. I'll just move five feet away from uh, the smaller uh, undead. Okay, so um, if you move away from... Unless these... they... Yeah, sorry, away is like west away. So if you move five feet away... They'll, if you disengage from all of these without using a disengage action, they'll all get attacks of opportunity on you. Right. Except for the big guy because he's used his reaction on Morven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the two that have just come up, they'll get attacks of opportunity on you. All right. Looks like we're doing the other plan then. I will attack and go for a... I'm raging. Boom. I'm going to go for Earth Shatter. All right. So saving throws, right? Yes. So we'll do 14. Both of them fail. So you watch as the earth begins to erupt around, the fire and smoke bursting through the muck around you, and the cracks edge forward until finally it hits these two, knocking them off their feet and slopping them in the mud. They are now prone, which means that people have advantage on their attack against them. And do I have to, do I have to roll for each of them for their damage, or is it just when just I... Just roll and I'll, I'll apply that damage to both. Yep. Uh, so that is 11. All right. So the first one that had been damaged by... Uh, Morvan's spell and then by Barnabas's attack is actually dead. So how would you like to kill that one with your Earth Shatter? Uh, before I say that, this will also affect 
the big fella. Like he's close. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, shout out. The ground is split in two, and in this small vicinity where he is, and within that five foot, there is a crack big enough for him to fall through, and he fucking grabs wedged it, wedged into the wedged ground, in and, and swallowed by the yeah. earth itself. Yes, beautiful. All right. The next one is prone. But still going at this point. I probably still move away, get away a bit. Um, and so the other guys used his reaction, so yep. probably the safest time to do it. Just as much as I can. So I think if it's uh, through the bog, 20 feet. 20. I'll say you run around the backside of the tree that Morvan is around as well. And you two sort of, the stump of this tree is about 10 foot wide, but you're around one half and Morvan's around the other. And you take a moment to inhale and exhale and then look at each other, noting how absolutely stuffed you are at this moment and Barnabas out there all by himself. And just for your next turn, the uh, old mate takes half the damage. Um, also, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw for me, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13. So your speed is halved and you have a um, disadvantage on saving throws until the end of your next turn. All right, finally, we get to top of the round. Rengar, you are up. Yeah, so noting that this this being is, um, he can't really see the things that have fallen on the ground too well because they seem to be behind it. Uh, he's going to take note of the first few attacks of his sort of like not doing as much damage as he thought. Uh, he's going to try and reposition and try and wedge himself up a bit further and he's going to opt for one plus one arrow and one lightning arrow. So one will do extra damage, one will do extra damage with some... Ah, sorry, one will do extra damage with lightning attached to it. He will also, yeah, position himself just up yeah, where that big tree is just behind there as far as he can get or as close as he can get to that. I'll say that you shoot and then go behind the tree because sure. otherwise you'll yeah. have... Yep. Some obscurity. 20 and a 32. Uh, he gets his hunter's mark still, and the first arrow will do an extra one damage. That's 7 plus 9 is 16 plus 1, 17 damage. And then he gets the D6 for the lightning on the next one. And that's going to be 11 plus 3 is 14, plus 9 is 23 damage. Looking at him, he seems extremely weak as these two arrows hit him. The electricity charging through his uh, skeletal form seems to make him shake and become rigid as this electricity uh, amplifies. Uh, you watch as he still seems to be standing, but he's lurching forward very, very lazily at mm. this point. Bonus action hide. Bonus action hide. Roll self check for me. 28. Yeah, okay. 28 noted. It's at that point as well. It becomes the big dude's turn. This uh, towering structure seems to begin lurching forward towards Barnabas. You have not had your turn yet, so your uh, reaction has not returned because you used your reaction to polearm attack one when it spewed out. Two attacks on you with both hands. The first one coming down will be a natural one, which sucks. And the second one with the strength drain is going to be a 27. Nine points of necrotic damage and your strength score is reduced by two. You feel this sapping tar begin to move across your body and your muscles wither as well. I use uh, Stone's Endurance as a reaction to reduce the incoming damage. Okay. So roll a D10 or... D12 plus D12. Beautiful. Four damage reduced. Okay. Baron, that brings us to your turn. Remember, your speed is halved until the end of this turn and your disadvantage on saves. So what would you like to do? When I'm seeing the arrows hit it, am I thinking slashing damage is effective? It's effective. It's definitely doing something. They're both looking fairly damaged. Some of them are just... The, the big one seems to be hanging on by a thread, but you know that these undead creatures can be quite tricky to kill uh, in terms of the fact that they have already opposed death once. 
that doing so a second time may not be out of their wheelhouse. I'll, uh, I'll attack it with my glaive. You will have a plus five instead of a plus six. So minus one to your attack rolls. Uh, a 15, that hit. A 15 does not hit. One hit or 10 damage and then the rear side of the weapon as well. Okay, third bonus action. Is a crit at 20. Oh, again, that's Critting on the crit. butt side. <laughs> so 16. All right, eight damage will kill him. With 16 damage, that will definitely kill him. Um, what does it look like as you fell him? I've just slashed once down diagonally, sort of scratched the bone. Second one just went wide, like on here. <laughs> and I swung the butt of the glider back up and it just collected with his skull and just disintegrated. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> as he falls backwards into the muck, his rib cage exposed, you watch as this purple tethering energy attempts to crackle through, regather the parts of the skull, the body, and the arms, it's going to use its undead fortitude ability, uh, which means that it has to roll and beat a DC in order to recollect itself. So five plus the damage taken. So it took 16 damage. It needs to roll at 21 on the constitution saving throw to come back alive. So with a plus four, it will not succeed. So you watch as this purple tethering energy begins to move through this bone-like structure, but as it does so, and it begins to lurch forward, almost like a, uh, a transformer that's failing in its attempt to do so, just sort of crumbles back down into its different parts and just lays into the muck. The one undead creature left lurching towards you, Barnabas, seems to still be ever-present in its uh, desire to get through you. And, uh, that's the end of your turn, bringing us to old two hit point Morven over here. With <laughs> with, uh, with, hi- with him being slept, are we still affected by that uh, black... Um... So, good point of order. The effect that you had taken that reduces your movement and saving throws seems to have sucked in and evaporated as the creature fell. So that is no longer affecting you. No, we are still in difficult terrain. So our movement is effectively halved. Uh, it's not that creature, the surviving undead's turn yet. He goes later, does No, it? he goes after you before Gorgonbord. All right. Uh, Morven will just sidestep and uh, shoot a firebolt at him. Okay, so five feet out. It's almost like you wheel out, shoot the firebolt, and then I'll say you wheel back in. Yeah, 29 to hit. That's a hit. Shit damage of five fire damage. So it does seem to burn off some of the cloths and rags attached to it. Uh, the armor's still intact and its body lumbering forward in this arcane space. All right, is that your turn? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I'll say you duck back behind the tree. Uh, that then brings us to its turn. It will start to lumber forward. It has to make a DC 17 concept. It's still in the sickening aura. That will fail with a nine. Uh, 28 radiant. Fuck, that's awesome. <laughs> that is absolutely enough to destroy it. Uh, how do you want to kill this individual? Again, the this sickly green light seems to almost just climb up its legs and encompass it so much so that it's actually glowing. And then it's just going to sort of crumple and implode and then just crumble into dust into okay. the uh, bog. Okay. So as you all begin to assess your surroundings, looking to see if there's any more, the slow fading, chattering and whirring of the voices that seem to emanate from this creature have faded. What is left is the breeze, the rustling of the trees, the boggy space and the undeath that seem to surround this area, still an icker that moves through you as you regather after this combat. Rengar, you make your way from outside of the tree, seeing that Morven is completely and utterly battered and bruised, as is your two other allies, it seems. What would you guys like to do or talk about or say? Um, what was that? 
That's a general question. Your mm. guess is as good as ours. I've never seen anything like that before. It seems this land has been corrupted by this necromantic energy. Uh, did I roll an arcana or anything to know? I think you much? did, but you sure. failed. Yeah, right. um, we do know someone that was very fond of uh, necromancy. Mm. It was close by. Yeah. Yeah. Staying and scanning probably has uh, grown in power. Perhaps a guardian of sorts, maybe. It's a deterrent for us not to go any further. And maybe what's it's, a town? No, no, no. Like more towards something that's it's there's of importance to him. Like this may be why there's not much travel in this area anymore. Mm. If there's more of these creatures about, uh, Morvan, you can roll a uh, Arcana check at this point based on the creature, not the actual space. Uh, twenty-two. Okay, so judging by the arcane tether that this creature had holding it together. It's almost as if this creature was not something that had died in this space before, or if it had, it seemed to have been long dead and far under the ground that the bog had simply exposed. It doesn't appear like these creatures were explicitly guarding anything. This just seems like it was an altered effect of what is happening around this area. It seems this space has been corrupted in some way, and as a result, anything that has died here or lays to rest here has been animated. No, really, that to everyone, and things that fall here uh, have a habit of coming back to life. Mm. You can imagine as well that if the landscape is of this nature, you may have to be on guard for things like this going through. Can we see how far we have to travel through this landscape? It's at this point, I'll say, Renga, you regather yourself in order to make your survival check for the next leg of the journey, which you will roll and have your pluses fall for your favoured terrain. It is swampy, but it, it originally was a forest, so I'll say it still counts. Oh, natural 20. Okay. You begin to remember the training that had taken place, your scouting origins, and you start to track towards the northwest in the direction you know Delambia to be. As you travel for the next few hours, you do see erupting from the ground various little skeletons that seem to poke up that you make very quick work of. You seem to slash them down in one or two attacks easily as you go through. As they break apart, you do notice that some of them seem to reanimate afterwards. But again, between the four of you and your expertise, it makes little effort. Moving through this space, it becomes about midday. The sun begins to shine through the foliage in the area, and it seems like the further you move away from Anitis, the less corrupted this land seems to be. As you make your way out of the forested area, you start to hit a large trade road. You can see this road is paved, paved with stone and cobbles. Ili seems to move north and south through the, through the countryside. And as you look beyond this road, you can see a small forested section that leads into a winding mountain path that seems to head further and further west. It seems Rengar has led you to the exact space you need to be in order to track towards Delambir for the second leg of your journey. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. The cast for this episode was Rob as Rengar, Trent as Baron Barnabas, Jackson as Gorgonbort, Brett as Morvan, and me, Aaron, as the Dungeon Master. The Forgotten Four ran into some undead outside of Menidas and the surrounding forests in this area. And if you want to find out how that mystery is solved, it's done so in another story of D&D Valiant Odyssey. 
Path of the Wild is a tale that contains some other Valiant Odyssey favorite cast members, and you can check it out on our Patreon. It's an exclusive show, and it drops once a month, and it's very much connected to D&D Valiant Odyssey. So if you love what you're hearing in this podcast, there's very much more available for signing up to our Patreon, and that link is in the show notes below. If you wanted to help our podcast out in another way, in a free way, you could go and drop a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you rate and review and share, it does a world of difference for small podcasters like us here at Valiant Odyssey and we'll be forever in your debt. Another thing you can do is tag your friends or you can tag us on social media and we'll be happy to interact with you there as well. We love hearing about your Dungeons & Dragons games and the stories you tell with your friends. So if you'd like to, make sure you go and drop us a follow on Instagram. That link is in the show notes also, but you can also find it at D&D Valiant Odyssey on Instagram. That's all from me, Aaron, the Dungeon Master here. And as always, be valiant.